So today's talk is Daf Gimel, and we uh, continue with the um, um, very bottom of Bet and Bet. So far, we have two explanations for the Mishnah, the debate of Beit Hillel Beit Shammai. The easiest explanation was Rav Nachman's that Beit Shammai doesn't hold of Muksa or Nolad, and Beit Hillel does. Gemara rejected it for a seemingly uh, very very minor textual re- reason, very questionable reason. But anyway, it allowed it to move on to the next explanation, which is Rabbah, which introduces this issue of Hachana, preparing that is based on a verse. So according to him, there's an idea of Hachana that it's not Muksa and rabbinic based, but based on a verse. And that is um, specifically, as Rashi points out, around preparing for the Suda of Shabbos and Yantar, and therefore there's a problem of something that was completed um, not on a weekday that you are going to want to do for your seuda of Shabbos and Yom Tov. Um, even if it's completed naturally, the, the uh, egg being completed in the inside of the chicken for a Shabbos that precedes Yom Tov, that is a problem because it wasn't prepared on a weekday um, and ready already on a weekday for the meal on Yom Tov. Maybe that's specifically around eating. Um, not so clear. So now um, we um, continue to a third reason um, and picks us up here at the bottom of um, Gimel Amad Bet of Bet Amad Bet so let's take a look um, so uh, Gemara says like this um, Rav Yosef Amar two lines on the bottom of Bet Amad Bet Rav Yosef says um, here's the reason why it's a rabbinic problem not a muksa problem it's a rabbinic problem of fruit that drop off of a tree you can't eat fruit that drop off of a tree even in situations, it might not be muksa. Why would it not be muksa? We can talk about it in a minute. Uh, but you cannot eat fruit that drop off of a tree, um, even if it's not a muksa problem, because you might come to then pick, pick it off the tree. So he says, an uh, egg that drops from a chicken is like fruit that drops off of a tree. And therefore, even again, remember, one of the questions is, what type of a chicken are we talking about? Even a chicken that was set aside to be eaten, so there's no muktzah problem, no noah problem, it's like food that fell off from food. Okay, but food that fell off from fruit is not always allowed. A fruit that falls off of a tree is not allowed, because you might come to pick the fruit. And the same thing applies to the egg. So the Gemara says yes. How are you going to have to pick the, yeah, pick the egg? So that's what Abaye asked. Abaye so said to him, Peros hanoshrim, fruit that falls off of a tree, time am I, what's the reason that that's a problem? We're afraid you'll go up on the tree and start pulling fruit off of it. So, so he gufa gzera van aneko meaning gzera gzera. It itself is a safeguard. Don't do this lest you come to pick the fruit off the tree. And we're going to make a safeguard to a safeguard. Meaning, right? The safeguard is like a fence around a fence. The the fence is supposed to protect the actual transgression. So why are you going to make a fence to protect the fence? You know, right? That's that is something that's sort of exceeding your you know uh, you know ex- uh, your sort of need and right to being protecting and legislating to protect, you know, Torah law, to make a fence around a fence. One fence is enough. So the Gemara says, no. Kulachadik zeirahi. It's all one gezeirah. Now, what does it mean it's all one gezeirah? You know, sometimes you could sort of understand that to be like, some things, we want to make a fence around a fence. You know, Tosis actually says this in a number of places. Think about what we don't do in terms of, eat, of, of, of meat and milk together. Right? Not only do we not eat, like, you know, meat of an animal, of mammals, we also don't eat chicken meat, which, does, which obviously is not biblically prohibited. They don't have mother's milk. Not only do we not cook them together, we don't even eat them cold together. Not only not even cold together, we wait six hours between them. So, as Tosis says in that discussion of meat and milk, there are many times we do make a zero league zero. Like, for whatever reason, the rabbis just decided they wanted to have a lot of safeguards. 
But that's not exactly the answer of Kulachad Xerahi. Kulachad Xerahi is saying, fundamentally, it's not a fence around a fence. It's all part of the first fence, which means, as Rashi explains, it's not like the rabbi said, let's not allow fruit around a tree. That is, <coughs> that is the, uh, fruit that falls from the tree. That is the fence. Oh, you know what? Let's not allow eggs because that'll lead to, to fruit that fell off our tree. No, they didn't say that. They said, what's included in the category of fruit that falls off of a tree? You know what? Conceptually, if we abstract it, that category should include any type of food that sort of falls off of its originating source on Shabbat. So that would also include the egg. So the egg is not prohibited because it will lead to the fruit apple on the, on the ground. The egg is prohibited because when the rabbi said, don't eat fruit that fell off a tree, they made it an abstract category and they included everything that was like that. And therefore the egg was part of that original gzeirah. Because the original gzeirah was more abstract, included all cases of food that fell off of its originating source. So that is the explanation. It is a type of fruit that falls off a tree. It's not a gzeirah to lead to that case. It's a type of fruit that falls off of a tree. And even though in its particular case you're not afraid that you'll do a violation, that's part of the rabbinic edict. So that's his explanation of the reason of the egg, that Beit, that Beit Hillel has this concern and Beit Shammai does not. Now, the Gemara, now, Tosus, by the way, wants to know, okay, that's all very nice, but as I said, why is it not um, Muktza, right? Why would it not be Muktza? And Tosa says, well, maybe we're talking about a scenario, right? If you couldn't pick the fruit off the tree on Shabbos or Yantav, it's just muktzah because it's off limits. Why do you need a special prohibition not to eat it once it fell off? It was already muktzah. And Tosa says, well, maybe we're talking about, you know, that there are like ravens in the area and the ravens would normally, you know, eat from the fruit anyway. Okay, but like you don't have access to it. Well, maybe it's, they would normally eat from the fruit when it would drop and the fruit was ready to drop. And he sort of says, maybe we can construct a scenario where, you know, even though it's attached to the tree, you're expecting it to drop by itself, and it wouldn't be considered, like, out of reach, you know, and that's interesting, because it gets to the question, well, you're expecting the egg to be laid by itself. But somehow, because this is visible, and it's on the tree, and it's hanging by a thread, and it's about to drop, maybe that, it would not be muktza. But nevertheless, it's going to be prohibited because of this concern. Okay, so that's an interesting question, why you need this explanation, if it's already, um, you know, if it, why doesn't muktza sort of cover you? All right, um, now the Gemara continues, and the Gemara says like this, um, um, so Abaye, um, I'm sorry. So that was that was what that was Rav Yosef's explanation. Rav Yitzchak Amar, three lines from the top. It's a concern of liquids that flow, which means you're not allowed to squeeze lemons or grapes on Shabbos and Yantuf. And if you can't squeeze them, you also let's say you just had a pile of grapes sitting around, and then by themselves some liquid flew, flew out, flowed, flowed out. You cannot drink the liquid that flowed out by itself because if we let you drink the liquid, you'll come to squeeze the grapes. Okay? So it's the same idea. This is a thing that flowed out by itself. The egg flowed out of the chicken by itself. Don't eat the egg because you come to squeeze the chicken. Okay, so it's going to be the same issue. But the point is, it fits in this category of something that fell and derived from something else that was not allowed, so we put the egg in the same category. So not the fruit from the tree, but the juice that came off of the grapes. So let's take a look. So Gemara says like this, Amalei Abaye, so Abaye said to him, Mashkim Shezomu, liquids that flow, so time Amai, why is that forbidden? Gzeir Shema we're afraid you'll squeeze the actual grapes themselves if we let 
that you drink the uh, juice that flowed out of it. So he that itself is a safeguard, and we're going to make a safeguard to a safeguard? Someone says, it's not, don't have the egg, you'll come to drink the, 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 the grape juice. It's when we said, don't have things that flowed out of their originating source. We spoke about it in abs- more abstract terms, and included in that was an egg that came out of a chicken. Okay, so those are our explanations. So, one about Muktzah, one about this new idea, Hachana Deraba, which is all about a Yunt of Shabbos issue, when they come back to back, and about uh, preparing for the meals, a hard idea to get our head around, and these two last explanations, which say, forget about Muktzah, it's not Muktzah because presumably it's a chicken that's set aside for eating, so it's not a Muktzah issue, there's that question, what's the nature of the chicken, and it is, but it is a problem because it falls into these rabbinic categories of fruit off of a tree, or liquids that come from fruit. Let's see what the Gemara says now. It sort of stops for a moment and assesses where we're at. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this. Um, All the other Amorayim did say Rav Nachman's explanation, which seems to be the simplest, that it's a debate about Muktzah, and it's about a chicken set aside for laying eggs. Kikushin, because of our question, but then it should have not just debated the egg, it should have debated the chicken as well. They don't think like Raba, like there's the idea of biblical idea of preparing for the meal of Shabbat or having the stuff by, prepared by itself. Hachana lay through. They don't hold of this new idea called Hachana. Muktzah and a rabbinic issue they hold up. They don't have this idea that like the food has to be naturally prepared from beforehand and so on. That's Rabba's idea. Ella, but let's deal with the last two categories, which is in this, it's a chicken that's set aside for eating, it's not a muksa problem, and the question about which of these types of rabbinic issues, the fruit of the tree or the juice that came out of the grapes. So, Ella, with Yosef, my time along with Rabbi Yitzhak, with Yosef who says it's similar to fruit off a tree, why don't you say like Rabbi Yitzhak, it's similar to juice that comes out of a grape? So, uh, so, I'm a, so, um, I'm a because he'll say to you, because look, a, 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 an egg is food. It's not a liquid. And Peyrus Uchla, so the more comparable case of something that fell off of something else is fruit. Fruit is food, and an egg is fruit. And they're both round. No, he didn't say that. But they're both fruit, food, okay? It's less similar to the case of liquid that flows from a grape. Liquid isn't food. It's a liquid. So physically, it's more similar to the, food, to the fruit category. And that's how come it was, I, I think, it was put into that category. Rev Yitzchak might time along with Yosef. So why does Rev Yitzchak prefer to categorize it in the juices that came off of the, that flowed from the grape rather than the fruit that fell from the tree? How about the fact that that's a liquid and that's a solid? So, I'm a lechad. He'll tell you, look, I, I acknowledge that difference, but here's what makes a bigger difference to me. Beitza blua. An egg is absorbed, swallowed up, you know, it's inside the chicken. So the thing that was held inside of something came out of the thing that it was held in. That's like the juice that's in a grape that comes out of the grape. Okay? Bates of blue, lafuki paris, demiglu makaimu. It's not similar to fruit, which is exposed and present in front of you. Okay? So that is the reason why. And um, there, so it's one of these two questions. Which is it more similar to? Again, this points to the fact that it's not a zero 
Gzeira. It's not don't do this lest you do that. It's a fact that conceptually it's similar. If we just abstract the idea of fruit a little bit or the idea of liquids that flow out a little bit, we'll be able to include the egg case. So it's somewhat similar in an abstract category. And then the question is, which category is it more similar to? Is it more like the fruit that fell from the tree or more like the liquids that ran off of the grapes? So you had a question. I'm just surprised they don't say that the egg is a, li- egg is a liquid. Uh, why should they? It's not. Okay. So, what? An egg is as much of a liquid as a grape. Oh, you mean because inside of it it's a liquid. Yeah, all right. Again, that gets to the fact that it's not, that it's not visible to us, so why should it be a problem? Anyway, so, um, that is, now, here's an interesting question. All of this, that you'll pick the fruit off of the tree, or that you will, you know, squeeze the fruit, is understood to be a problem even on Yontif. Right? Because we're saying that this is a Xerah that applies on Shabbos and Yontiv and the egg falls into this case. So Tos was asked the question. I don't get it. If you can do things for the sake of food, right, on, on Yontiv, you can shecht an animal, you can cook, etc., why can't you pick fruit off of a tree? Mm-hmm. Okay? Now that's a really important question that we're going to get back to, particularly in the third parak, which deals with what are the things that are allowed, how far does that allowance go on Yontiv. But I want to just read you the question. If you take a look at this big Tos' Xerah, the middle-sized line, let me describe where it is. Um, he says, Where is it in the I'm, I am trying to tell you if I won't be stopping interrupted. So he says, uh, <laughs> uh, so he says like this, he said, um, the line starts with the word Yivla'enu, about exactly in the middle of the middle of the middle sized line. First word is Yivla'enu. Okay, do people see that? Yes. Yes. All right, Dova, just kidding. No, uh, okay, Achtema, <laughs> he says, it's a wonder. My Shema Yalev Yitlosh. Why do we have to be concerned? You'll go up and pluck it off the tree, ha? Shouldn't it be allowed even Chachila? You can do things for the sake of food, Anyantiv. And he says, don't tell me you could have done it ahead of time. Doesn't matter you could have done it ahead of time. You're allowed to cook Anyantiv, even though you could have cooked it ahead of time. So why aren't you allowed to pick something off of a tree? So he says, so he goes through a whole discussion, and then he says at the end, <laughs> um, um, two, uh, uh, two lines down in the wide lines he says like this um, um, you see that people have that right in the beginning of the second widest line like four words in Okay, yeah. Therefore, Rabbeinu Netanel explains, Dibi Yushalmi, that the, here's the explanation given in Yushalmi. Yeish, here's what it says. Achasher yeyachel l'chom nefesh, v'samich you can do whatever you need to for eating. Ushmartem et hamatzot. Okay, and you should observe the matzot. So, um, what? Okay, go ahead. Okay. Otam melachot, she mishimur ze'elech, the melachot that apply from the time when you have to watch the matzah. When do you have to watch the matzah and prevent it from becoming chametz? When water hits flour. When does water hit flour? At the stage of kneading. So the Yushami says the juxtaposition here is telling you when, do we, when is it allowed to do things for food? At the same tight period of preparation when, if you're making matzahs, you have to worry about it becoming chametz. Okay, so it's very timely. At, starting at the moment of kneading onwards. Um, from kneading onwards. Anything that is earlier is forbidden. Okay, so this becomes a very important conceptual principle <coughs> about malacha for food being permissible on yuntiv, that it does not mean I can go out into my field and start with my scythe, you know, taking, cutting down the wheat. The Yushami puts a limit to it, 
something, yeah, and the Rizami thinks it's a biblical limit and learns it from this connection to matzah and basically says only from the period of preparation that is needing onward, from when it's closer to being complete. Conceptually, what's that about is an interesting question. You could just say, well, you know, it's later in the stage of development and not earlier in the stage, but what exactly is that distinction? And some achronim, um, I think, um, want to conceptualize it in an important way. They say, the types of preparation that gets done in the home, not the type of preparation that takes place out in the fields, it's processed before it gets to the, you know, before it gets to you. So you can do the type of preparation. Now, of course, it's funny. Like, we would think, okay, so shechting is certainly not the preparation that gets done in the home. But that's in our homes, right? In their, right, in their homes, you know, no, you go to your backyard and you shecht your chicken. So the type of preparation that's the preparing the food that you do in your home context, that's okay. But the harvesting, the grinding, the sifting, all of that is done out in the field. It's done on large scale, not on small scale in the home. And that's different. That's a nice conceptual explanation of why this is the period that it's allowed. But this is a very important question about how broad is the Torah's allowance of doing things that are allowed for food. And because this Gemara makes it clear you can't p- pluck fruit off of a tree and you can't squeeze fruit on yuntas well why the heck not isn't this food related we get this idea you know he brings in this Yerushalmi of only from the, the, the period of Lisha onwards of needing onwards now I do want to say by the way that it's not so simple first of all not everybody thinks that the Yerushalmi is the basis not everybody thinks that the distinction is Joe Raisa and there's also we'll see later discussions of things you could do earlier in the process that's more allowed on Yantiv so I don't know if people are aware but certain spices you're allowed to grind on Yantiv like spices that would not be as sharp and as pungent beforehand so you can in theory I mean we'll talk about it don't anybody pask it this way until we discuss it later <laughs> but you know take your pepper mill you know fresh pepper with that right which you could never do on Shabbos but you could do possibly do on Yantiv we'll discuss now grinding is much before Lisha grinding is the turning of the wheat into the flour it's much before the kneading so it's not so clear that this is the absolute cutoff. but what it's introducing is not everything is allowed for the sake of food there are some cutoffs yes uh, grinding of flour used to be done at homes we never hear of that today but it used to be done a lot in homes uh, they didn't have mills I mean so they didn't do it at large scale and and the, well large scale mills were fairly early in history but in many societies Okay, so again, right. what I gave was an explanation yeah. for the distinction, right? In the end, the way it's quoted in Allah is Milisha Ve'elach. That's like the phrase. Those are two, so again, it's interesting that it ties up to Pesach, and those are just two words. You want to show everybody how knowledgeable you are about Yantav. So it says, oh yeah, it's Milisha Ve'elach, right? <laughs> so it's just those two words. Lisha onward, that's when it's allowed. Okay, so back to the Gemara. So the Gemara says like this. Um... So, the Afra of Nachman says the Gemara, where are we? No, the Afra of Yochanan, even Rabbi Yochanan, so line starts with the word Rabbi Yochanan, he holds that the reason of the Mishnah, of the egg, is because it's in the category of liquids that flow, um, and that's forbidden. Rabbi Yochanan Rami, Rabbi Yochanan had a, had a problem, what seemed to be a contradiction of two statements of Rabbi Yehuda, and he gave an answer. But we're going to focus on the fact that he had the problem to begin with, belies a certain assumption of what this is all based on. Tanan. We have the following Mishnah in Shabbat. You cannot squeeze fruit to extract the liquid. And here's the concern about about the juices that flow on their own. It's exactly in the Mishnah. The juice that flowed on its own from the fruit, even if you didn't squeeze it, is forbidden. Rabbi Yehuda says there's a distinction. 
im ochlin, if the fruit was set aside to be eaten, not to be juiced, like, you know, let's talk about, like, I don't know, you have your grapefruit, you're going to eat it. So, if some juice comes out of the grapefruit, you can, you can eat it. Okay? You know, when you're eating your grape juice, you can eat some of the juice. Okay? The imla mashkin, however, if the fruit was set aside for liquid, like you had a pile of grapes you were going to turn into grape juice and eventually into wine, hayotze mehen asur, what comes out is forbidden. What's the logic? The logic is, the whole reason it's forbidden is, you might accidentally come to squeeze it. Well, if we let you drink the grape juice, you'll come to squeeze grapes, because fundamentally you're interested in the juice. But if we let you drink a little of the runoff liquid of the, uh, of the grapefruit, we're not afraid you'll come to squeeze the grapefruit, because people have the grapefruits around to be eaten, not to be turned into liquid. So he says, whether we allow you to drink the liquid that runs off by itself is a function of whether the fruit is basically there for eating or whether it's there for being turned into liquid. One second. So now that's the first statement of Rebbe Yehuda. Fine. Now, um, Alma, you see, any food that comes from food, something set aside to be eaten, not to be made into juice, but something like the grapefruit set aside to be eaten, fruit, the, something that comes from it is just considered food that's separated and is permissible. Okay, so the juice of a grapefruit, since the grapefruit is about being eaten, that's okay. Raminu. Now, Rabbi Yochman said, but I have a problem. I'm going to show a contradiction. The Odom or Rabbi Yehuda? Rabbi Yehuda says the following. This is a debate in Erevin about two days of Rosh Hashanah. Are they considered one continuous Kiddushah, a two-day Kiddushah, or is it each day is independent? Is it like a normal case of a two-day Yantav of Sveik of the Yoma? As if I don't know if today is Yantav and I don't know if tomorrow is Yantav. What's the difference? The difference is this following debate. Rabbi Yehuda says even Rosh Hashanah is like a normal two-day Yantav. And here's the implication. A person can stipulate about a basket of fruit. Um, on the first day of Yom Tov, and he's on the second day. What does that mean? It means here I've got my basket of fruit. Okay? <laughs> That's a basket. And I forgot to take uh, Trumas and Mises from it. It's Tepah. It's Asa. And I'm not allowed to take Trumas and Mises and Yom Tov. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Trumas and Mises and I'm going to say, here's the deal. Okay? If today is really Yom Tov, then forget about this. I'm not doing anything, okay? If today is a weekday, because the two-day yantiv, each day is, is, you don't know, weekday or yantiv. That's sort of the fiction in which we live with the two-day yantiv. So if today is yantiv, I didn't do anything. If today is a weekday, I'm taking trumas and maestros. All right, then I come to tomorrow. So I can't eat it today, because today might be a yantiv and I didn't do anything. Then I come to tomorrow, and I say, okay, I'm doing it again. If today is yantiv, and yesterday was a weekday, then I'm now, now not doing anything, but yesterday I already fixed the problem, because yesterday was the weekday, and today is yantiv. And if today is a weekday, and yesterday was the yantiv, so then now I'm taking the trumas and maestros. So now, by the fact I did that stipulation on both days, I can eat it today. That's what you get by a normal two-day yantiv when you, you view each day as independent and we pretend each day you don't know if it's, if it's yantiv or if it's a weekday. So Rabbi Yehuda says you can do the same thing on, on two days Rosh Hashanah. If it's not considered one indivisible unit of two days, each day is like a normal two-day yantiv and you can say, I don't know if today's yantiv, I don't know if tomorrow's yantiv and allow you to do that trick. That's one trick you can do. The chain, similarly, beats the shenol debarisham tocha b'sheini. Okay, if an egg was born on today, first day Yantif, I can't eat it today because today might be Yantif, but I can eat it tomorrow. Why can I eat it tomorrow? Well, because tomorrow I'll tell you, look, make up your mind. If you think today is Yantif, then yesterday when it was born was a weekday, so I can eat it today. 
Okay, so tell me, no, no, but maybe today is Chol, and what's born yesterday and Yontif. Good, it's born Yontif, but today is a weekday, so it's not Muksa. Okay, so if it's a two-dayer, right, if it was born on the first day Yontif, I can eat it on the second day that's what he says and the rabbis disagree and they say Rosh Hashanah is different they say on a normal yontiv we would agree with you Rosh Hashanah is different it's a continuous two-dayer and therefore you cannot pray if today if tomorrow it's all one day yontiv fine that's the debate of a two-dayer one-dayer but what the Rabbi Yochanan is saying is you see that Rabbi Yehuda agrees that there's a problem with an egg laid on yontiv like the first day it's still a problem so the Gemara says, Alma, where's the Gemara? Um, so you see, Bishani in Berishon Lo. You can only meet on the second day, not the first. So the whole point of bringing in that question today or one day was to show the Rabbi Yehuda agrees with Beit Hillel, and there's a problem with the egg laid on Yantha. Now, why is that a problem? So he says, Look, Rabbi Yochanan says, I don't get it. On the one hand, Rabbi Yochanan holds to the problem of the egg. On the other hand, what did Rabbi Yochanan say about the juice that, juice that ran off from the grapefruit? Good or not good? Good. Good. Because the grapefruit was there to be eaten, not to be squeezed. So he said, so then why is, so Rabbi Yochanan says, so why is the egg any different? The egg comes from a chicken that's set aside to be eaten, not a chicken set aside for laying eggs, which you could say is sort of like the grapes ready to be squeezed. But no, it's set aside for a chicken that's ready to be eaten. It's like the grapefruit. So if the juice of the grapefruit is okay, why is the egg from the chicken set aside to be eaten okay? So that's Rabbi Yochanan's question. But before we get to the answer, you know, this is great about the Gemara. The Gemara is you know, let's unpack what's on the assumptions underlying your question. The fact that you said, I got a problem, because this case of the egg doesn't parallel Rebuna's position about the juice of the grapefruit, so you're assuming that the whole idea behind the egg is because it's in this category of juices that run off of fruit. I can give you four other reasons about the egg. It's a muktza issue, it's fruit from the tree, it's rabba. But the fact that you're bothered by these two Reb Yehudas shows you're assuming the egg case is based on the fruit that come, the, the, the juices that come from the fruit. And it bothers you that they don't fit together. So that's the fact that the Gemara says that shows you that Reb Yochanan sides with the position that the egg case is based on the problem of juices that come from fruit. So now we're going to look at what his answer is, but now we're just sort of lining up that this is another backing to this position that is in this category of juices that come from fruit. Charlie, you had a question. Oh, uh, regarding fruits that are designated for juice versus designated for eating, yes. is that this particular apple or grapefruit or orange? Or, or is, is it the whole pie? All apples, all yeah. oranges, because yes. at different times, it's oranges a good question. have been... Right. It's a very good question, and it it generally goes by the type of fruit, not by the particular one in front of you or your intention. Of course, if there are different strands or Valenza oranges as opposed to different oranges, Mm -hmm. then that's different, but that still has to do with the whole brand. Uh Um, It also relates to other issues that the Gemara isn't directly, uh, or not exactly on the table right now, which is not just are we afraid it'll lead to squeezing, but when is squeezing fruit a biblical violation? It might only be a biblical violation by grapes and olives, where the juices were the were like seen as like you know, m- you know more important yeah. than the actual fruit itself. The whole purpose of the fruit was to get to the juices, as opposed to other types of things. So there's other factors that relate to it, but the basic issue is the ba- the, the simple answer to you is it goes by the type of fruit, not mm-hmm. by your particular intention. Although again, it could be more nuanced than that, but th- that's only the thrust. Okay, but there are different types of fruit within the same you know, like I said. 
six strands of oranges. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. So now we have Reb Yochanan's problem. We got that Reb Yochanan sees the egg as a type of juices that come from the uh, food. And now he says, so why does it, why is Reb Yochanan bothered? It shouldn't be like the juice that, that comes from the grapefruit. So the Gemara says, Umishani, so what's, now let's get to Reb Yochanan's answer. Umishani Reb Yochanan, and Reb Yochanan's answer is, Muchlefa Sashita that, okay, let's reverse the position, okay? <laughs> Which is always like, okay, that wasn't such an interesting answer. Yeah, we got a problem. Reb Yehuda doesn't fit. Reb Yehuda allows the juice from the grapefruit and doesn't allow the egg. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reverse the position. That it's really the rabbis that allow the, the juice from the grapefruit, and it's Reb Yehuda that says all juices are a problem. So if all juices are a problem, it would include the egg case. All right? So before we had it that the rabbi said all juices, Rabbi Huda said, no, the juice from a grapefruit is okay. In order to make it work with the egg, which is like the fruit from the grape juice, we're having Rabbi Huda say all juices are no good. And it's the rabbis who say, makes a difference between things that's for food and things that are for squeezing. Okay. Hmm. Now the Gemara just, that's his answer, okay? Not such a thrilling answer, that's his answer. But now the Gemara points out what I've been saying about the underlying assumption of the question. From the very fact that Rabbi Yochanan throws these two things together, makes, is bothered by what he perceives of as a contradiction between these two positions of Rabbi Yehuda. So, you see, he thinks that it's all part of the same reason. You see, he thinks that it's based on the issue of, um, that the egg problem is based on the issue of liquids that come off of the fruit. Okay, so that's the immediate issue for us. The Rabbi Yochanan thinks the egg is based on the liquids that come from the fruit. Now, we're going to give different answers to Rabbi Yochanan's question. If we can see that that is the issue of the egg, is there another way to explain the fact that Rabbi Yehuda isn't being consistent with the grapefruit case and with the egg case, rather than just sort of reversing what, which one Rabbi Yehuda said? So let's take a look at other answers to that question. Ravina Amar, Ravina says, the Olam Lotepuch. Going back to this question of Rabbi Yochanan, you don't have to reverse Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda could say the juice of a grapefruit is okay, and the egg is still and the egg is still a problem. Well, but, but how does that work? Rabbi Yehuda because what Rabbi Yehuda isn't really saying the egg is a problem. The same way the juice from the grapefruit is okay, the egg would be okay. So why does he talk about the egg that was born on Yantiv and two days of Rosh Hashanah? He's just saying to the rabbis, based on your position. As far as I'm concerned, I would allow an egg on the first day of Rosh Hashanah because I don't believe that the egg, there's a problem with the egg. It's just food that came from food. It's like the juice of a grapefruit. So personally, I don't hold the Beitilel. I don't believe that the egg is a problem. But you who believe that the egg is a problem for whatever reason, you should at least concede to me that on the second day of Rosh Hashanah it should be allowed because of this idea of Sveik which is really saying, a way of saying like, the egg was just a convenient case of exploring this question of is it two separate Kiddushot or one Kiddushah? Like, born on the first day will be allowed on the second. But it's really not showing that he's committed to the idea that there's a problem with the egg. He could be using it as a convenient way of articulating his position that two days of Rosh Hashanah are two separate days. So according to you guys, that you've got a problem with an egg, here should be, you should allow it on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. One minute, this is all about Rosh Hashanah. Normal yuntiv, everybody would agree to this. That if it's born on the first day, you can have it on the second. Question is, how do you look at two days Rosh Hashanah? Okay? And the Amri Rabbanon, and the rabbis say back to him, No! No! Kiddush Achasi! No! 
That's your Kedusha. Why the Kedusha? So we think it remains forbidden on the second day. So that's an easier answer than reversing his position. He's saying even though he discusses the egg, he doesn't really think the egg is forbidden even the first day, but he's discussing it because it demonstrates this question of is it two separate Kedushas or one long Kedusha. Okay, so that's another answer to that question. And now one final answer. Ravina braid the Rav Ula Amar. Ravina, the son of Ula, says, "Hacha b'tarnagolas homedes legado baits him." No, why are you saturating yourself a cup? This issue about the egg born on the first day of Rosh Hashanah is not. Now, the, the, you don't have to put it even if the normal problem of the egg is because it's like liquid that, that came off of a fruit that's the way you understand the normal problem of an egg remember there's always two scenarios was the chicken there to be eaten or was the chicken there to lay eggs we've been assuming the chicken is there to be eaten and therefore we and then, then we should say the egg should be okay and we have to search for a new reason to make the egg forbidden and we say it's like liquid that comes from a fruit but maybe Rabbi Yehuda, in his discussion of Rosh Hashanah, was talking about a chicken that was there for laying eggs, and it's a simple muktzah problem. Okay? So he says, We're talking about a chicken that's there to lay eggs. Rabbi Yehuda, what time may these lay muktzah? And Rabbi Yehuda just holds of muktzah. Like, we know Rabbi Yehuda holds of muktzah. He argues with Rabbi Shimon, who doesn't hold so much of muktzah, but Rabbi Yehuda holds of muktzah. So, even if we concede that the problem with the egg is a type of a juices that ran off, okay, that's when we have to look for a new reason, when it's an egg coming from a chicken that's to be eaten. But if the chicken is there to lay eggs, then everybody agrees it's a problem. That's a muktzah issue. All right? So what have we said right now? We've said that we have four explanations for why they don't make Shammai debate the egg case. One is that it's a real muktzah issue and the chicken is there to lay eggs and it's a real muktzah issue and Beit Hill, Beit Shammai are debating whether they hold it muktzah or not. The other three explanations all assume, say, look, if it was there to lay eggs, everybody would agree it's a problem. Then it's muktzah and even Beit Shammai, no debate. That would be a complete consensus. So what's the debate? The debate is when it's there to be eaten, where there's not a good reason why the egg should be a problem if the chicken was there to be eaten. It should just be like food that came from food. And then you have three explanations why there would be a problem. One of Rabbah, this idea of hachana and that the things you're going to have for the meal have to be finished the day before and so on. And then the two explanations the Gemara is focusing on, on this new rabbinic category of juices from fruit or fruit that fell off of a tree. Okay, but all of that, which the Gemara at the end has reminded us, is when the chicken is there to be eaten and you need to come up with a new reason why there should be a problem. But if the chicken is there to lay eggs, everybody, there's no debate according to this, even Beit Shai would agree that's a muktzah issue. Alright, so everybody good? Mm-hmm. Those are our four explanations of the Mishnah. Now the Gemara is going to introduce a bright uh, to continue to explore these different explanations. Um, yes. Is, 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 it, is it accurate that Moksha and, and Rav's idea of Hachana are, are Okay, so let's wait till we get to Muktzah with till we yeah, more explore Hachana. I know, but that's why I've been repeating that Rabbah's idea, of, a specifically, is about Suudis Shabbos. Suudis Yanta focuses on eating. So the basic answer is let's assume no. Okay, but we'll, we'll, we we will continue to revisit that. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. May um, say now I'm going to bring a bright that says the Gemara and see if it can challenge some of the different explanations about the egg issue. Okay, and see how this baita plays out given the different explanations. Whether the egg was laid on Shabbos or the egg was laid on Yantav, you cannot move it. Means it's mukta, basically. Not to use it to cover a vessel. I don't know, you got like, you know, the top of your, remember those old fashioned milk bottles? 
so you know you don't have the top so you just stick an egg in it okay <laughs> it, would, it would work it would keep a pretty tight thing if I was getting taking it off would it break the egg but alright you can't use it to close up a bottle top um, um, to close up a bottle the lowly smokebook car amnita not to support the legs of a bed I have no idea what that means like how is it supposed to how is it supposed to lay the legs without cracking I just don't understand what's going on there okay somebody will explain it to me okay fine I don't know okay anyway alright moving on anyway it's muksa you can't use it even if you got a legitimate need aval kofi what you can do is it's becoming a very uh, convenient type of a prop. You can put a vessel on top of it. Now, why should you not be able to? Because the egg is muktzah. Here's a question. Can you move something muktzah for the, something not muktzah to protect something that is muktzah? Is, and that's a quick question of the one that says you can't. The phrase is, A kli, a vessel cannot be moved except for the sake of something else that is allowed to be moved. Which is a complicated way of saying you can't move a vessel to protect them for the sake of muktza. But this right to hold otherwise. This right to hold, you know, actually you can. So while you can't move the egg, you can cover it up with something to prevent it from being broken. Okay, so that's point number two. Um, okay. Visveka asura. Now here's a new idea. If there's a doubt, presumably a doubt whether the egg was laid on yuntiv or whether it was laid before yuntiv, then it still remains forbidden. Even if you you might just say sveka drabanan, we'll look at that. But if there's a doubt, it remains forbidden. Vinitara the elef kulan asurot. This egg that was laid on yuntiv got mixed up with a thousand eggs that were laid from beforehand. You can't eat any of them. Now, on Yontiv, after Yontiv, you can eat it. But on Yontiv, you can't use any of your eggs. Now, why normal bittel doesn't apply, we'll get to, right? It should be bottle with 60 at least and so on. We'll discuss all of that. Okay, so now we're going to analyze this bright and see how it plays out. Rabba, who says that the whole problem is this idea of preparation, and he sees that from a verse that it's biblical. So good, we understand why if there's a doubt, it remains forbidden. Because Rabba sounded it made a real biblical issue. So it's a doubt about a biblical matter, whether the egg was laid today or yesterday. And all biblical doubts are going to be strict about. Um, now, by the way, I should point out that we here have assumed that Rabba's position would lead to it also being muktzah, not able to be moved, not just not able to be eaten, because the whole beginning of this prayer spoke about not moving it. And is that really biblical, or is that a rabbinic extension of the biblical idea? But at least what the Gemara is saying is, and remember, by the way, Rabba's only problem of it really being a problem was when Yontav and Shabbos were juxtaposed, and here presumably we're talking about a regular Yontav. But at least what the Gemara is saying is that according to Rabba, there's a biblical idea in there somewhere. Okay, it starts from this biblical concept, and therefore it's not crazy that we say in a place of doubt we're going to be strict. But all the other opinions fundamentally were completely rabbinic issues from scratch. Right? And, you know, rabbinic invented problems. It's not something that has a fundamental deoraisa base. So why should we be strict in a case of doubt? Let's just read the question. The says, Ava Rav Yosef, Mishim But Rav Yosef and Rav Yitzchak would say either it's because of the juices or because of the fruit from the tree. It's all a rabbinic issue. So It's a rabbinic doubt. We should be lenient. So why does it say if you have a doubt about the egg, be strict? Rav says, Ami, you can say, Safe for us, son. Just take out that parenthesis. Safe for us, son. With suffix trefa. When it says a doubt is forbidden, we're no longer talking about the egg laid on Shabbos and Yantiv. Basically, it did this shift. It says if an egg laid on Shabbos and Yantiv, don't move it. Parenthesis. 
while we're talking about eggs, let's talk about if you have a doubt whether an egg was laid from an animal that was a trafer or not. Okay, the egg was laid by a chicken, and if the chicken itself was a trafer, so then the egg also is trafe like the chicken. So if you have a doubt about whether the egg came from a trafer, don't eat, don't eat the egg, because that's a, a, a deal right to doubt. Now, of course, how can you switch from an egg laid on Yontif to an egg from an animal that might be a trefa without telling you? I guess that you might want to talk about the two side by side because they're both issues about eggs. But how can you switch without telling you you're talking about a different case? Okay, so it's a very forced read, but in order to deal with this issue of why would a doubt be forbidden, it deals with this case of you don't know if it came from an animal that's a trefa or the animal is a doubtful trefa. By the way, I should say an interesting application of this issue that things that come from animals that are trefa is no good is every, <coughs> every few years people raise this question about why can we drink milk because apparently a lot of dairy cows might be trefos and especially if they shoot them up with hormones and that might cause holes and whatever. So how can we drink milk if it's all comes from Suffolk Trefus or whatever. So I'll let you worry about that. <laughs> Think, say, sit on that question. You can research it. There's plenty of stuff on the web that discusses it. Charlie, you have a question. Yeah, I was going to say, not being fetal with a thousand, even truma is more Okay, weird. so we'll see about that. Like, okay. a, Don't worry, we're getting to it. So um, one other point before we go on. So the Gemara has explored how this brighter works according to Rabba that says it's based on Hachana. And according to Rav Nachman and Rav Yosef, of Rav Yosef and Rav Yosef that say it's based on like the fruit of the tree or the juices from the fruit. The one opinion the Gemara has ignored was Rav Nachman who says that the issue is about a straight muksa question, right? Rav Nachman who said we're talking about a chicken that's fair to lay eggs and it's a straight muksa question. Um, the Gemara seems to really have pushed Rav Nachman completely aside. Like it's the simplest explanation of the Mishnah. The simplest explanation of what's the issue with the egg is, is it muksa or not muksa? Do we have a muksa problem or not a muksa problem? The Gemara completely ignored Rav Nachman and it's dealing now with Rabba and this Hachana idea or with this issue about fruit of the tree and juices from the fruit, the Gzeira idea. Okay, so now we have this answer, this weak answer that we shifted gears and we're talking about eggs that from an animal that might be a trefa. Safe for us on the suffix trefa. So the Mishnah says, if that's the case, Aim a seifa. Look at the very end. The very end says, Nisara be'elef kulanasirot. Now we're getting to this part of it. If it gets mixed up in a thousand, they all remain, they're all forbidden. There's no bitl. You can't use any of the eggs on yantif. So the says, Iyamak bishlema suffik yantif suffik ho. If it's like the simple sense of the brighta, you don't know if the egg was born on the weekday or was it born when yantif began. So I understand why it's not bottle in a thousand. Why? Because, here's your answer, Charlie, because it is a matter that will make become permissible. The egg will be permissible tomorrow when it's Cholomoe. It's only forbidden today on Yantif. So I will understand why I won't let you eat the egg and won't allow Bittel because if something will become permissible later, we're not going to allow Bittel to work now. The whole davar anything that has something that will make it permissible, a filu be'elif will batel. Isn't batel even in a thousand? So this is a very important principle in the Gemara. Um, and the logic of it, what's the logic? The way Rashi explains the logic is, look, if we apply bittel, then you're going to be eating something that right now is not kosher. Now, it's true. Halachically, it is kosher because bittel took a pla- place and it made it into something that's mutar. But the reality is, you're still going to be, it's a workaround. You have found a way to eat something you shouldn't be eating. We're not saying you did it deviously, but that's just a reality. That it was a workaround and you're actually eating something that normally is off limits. So normally we understand, okay, that's what Bittel says, because otherwise you have to throw it all out. But if all we have to do is ask you to wait a day, 
So better to wait a day. Wait a day. Don't rely on this idea of bittel. Better to wait. Okay, the phrase that Rashi uses sometimes is "achetochlenu beiser, tochlenu beheter." You know, rather than eating something, you know, eating it while it's forbidden. You know, again, it would be permissible because of bittel, but fundamentally, you're eating something that you shouldn't be eating. Wait to eat it at a time when it's all permissible. Don't rely. Don't use bittel if you don't have to. This, by the way, is very relevant for Pesach, which is coming up. Because as you know, by Pesach, it's like thing. You know, even a tiny speck is a problem, <coughs> right? Where does that come from? So according to some, I mean, it's a whole question about a particular Gemara and Gersh in the Gemara, but anyway, according to some, it's an application of this idea of Davach Yeshulamatirin. That, you know, because after Pesach, it won't be a problem anymore. So therefore, we can't allow, you know, Bissel to work. Anything that's Davach Yeshulamatirin, Afilu Be'elif Lobatil. There are questions about to what degree, when, you know, when you apply that category and so on. But anyway, that's what the Gemara is saying. If this egg was a problem of some type of a particular problem on Yantiv, because of the juices or because of fruit from the tree or whatever, then I could say, fine, I'm not going to allow Bittel to work. You'll just wait till tomorrow. But if it's a question of a trefa, then I should allow Bittel to work. Mm-hmm. Then it's a normal, non-kosher thing. Let it be Bittel in 60 at least. Why should it not be Bittel? So let's see what the Gemara says. So the Gemara says, um, uh, so, Ella, Iamrit, if you say Suffolk trefa, that this is a brand new case at the end about a possible, possibly coming from a trace chicken. So, it's something that will never be permissible. And let even a simple majority make it butter. Now, that's funny. Why don't you need 60? Okay? So, this is actually a principle that if you have things that are not co-mixed, if they're co-mixed, it can lead to have taste. But they're separate units, what's called the Yavesh Biyavesh. Each thing is an independent unit. And then, and it's all the same. They're all eggs. So really, actually, a simple majority is enough. You don't even need 60. Okay, so it's all eggs. They're separate units. There's no co-mixture. In that case, the halakha is a simple majority is enough. But whether you say majority, whether you say 60, why should at least let there be, let this will work? Right? Why should it not be butel even in a thousand? So let's see what the Gemara says. Okay. Let's see again. It's something that there's no way to be permissible you know, on this egg because of the trefa concern. But he baruba. Let it just become butter. The chitema beitza chashuva velo butla. Ah, I have a new reason why. Because an egg is significant and it's not butter because it is like a separate. It's its own unit and it doesn't become part of a you know conglomerate. Like you ever, you know, you know those, uh, uh, they, 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 they have this, this uh, great uh, poster, right, about with, with these penguins, like, you know, like, uh, sadly now, or whatever, we're losing the uh, ice flows on the penguins, but anyway, you know, like thousand penguins on this, like, you know, on this, like, you know, ice flow, whatever it is, and then one penguin is sort of dancing and saying, I just got to be me, you know, <laughs> but the point is like, so you have things which like you have, if you have like a lot of things together, can the idea of this will apply? If you look at them as like a conglomerate and a collective and nothing is, and things aren't their own thing, then okay, it loses its identity in the mass of everything else and this will apply. But things that every time you look at it, it's like its own unit, right? It's discrete unit. Now, that doesn't just mean physically discrete, because that would, but it means that they're significant to the object. You would not, um, you know, make it as part of a conglomerate. You would, you, you know, you would always look at it independently. Like, let's say a car. Okay, so you would never say, oh yeah, you know, I've got like, I've got a bundle of cars here, right? Every car always deserves its own attention. 
So, therefore, then, it's never batel, because it's never part of the conglomerate. It always, each item is standing by itself. So maybe we should say that by eggs. Okay, now, what makes an egg important? So here becomes a question, and the phrase the Gemara is going to look at is, Dover Shebeminyan. Things that are sold by number and not by, right, not by weight or not by volume. They're never made sort of conglomerate. Is that the right word? Conglomerated with other things. So, for example, like you know how the uh, check-out aisles, it says 10 items, now it's saying 12. 12 items or less, which is, so the point is it's grammatically wrong because it should be 10, 12 items or fewer. Right? This is the yeah. difference. Right? If you say f- fewer is when you have numbers, units, each one is counted. Less and more is when you have something that's a conglomerate of things, like, you know, water, less or more water. So the says, this is the idea of Dover Shabiminyan. If it's a type of a thing that is counted, then that means that it's never made part of a, of a mixture and of a conglomerate. It's always how many, it's, each one is always distinct. Okay, and therefore, bitter won't apply. So if you always sell eggs by the number of eggs, then you're always counting each one independently. Now, of course, you could say, really? I mean, a dozen, yes, means 12, but the whole idea is I sort of bundle it all together. So we'll take a look at, we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. What? Yes. The seven units of things that are conglomerated. So if you have, let's say, um, let's say, you know, you don't buy, you don't count the number of potatoes. You always buy potatoes by weight, or you buy it by like a, a bag, a bushel of potatoes, or whatever it is. So those are you have separate units, but there's the types of things that are always looked at in terms of the collective, right? As opposed to something that is separate and always looked at distinctly. So, which which category does so that's the question. Is which category does oh, the egg fall in? Okay. okay, so that's going to be the argument why it's not batel. So let's take a look. So it says like this. So hanicha, if you say the egg is important and not batel, and not batel hanicha, that's good. Anything that is sometimes counted, if there's a question of a text in a Mishnah, what things are not bata? We'll see the Mishnah in a, in a minute. And does the Mishnah say anything that is sometimes counted, anything that can be counted? So eggs sometimes are sold by number. And therefore, the num- each one is independent and not batel. And Lamandama is Chidarkolimnos Chaninu, if your girsa, if your text in the Mishnah is things that only are counted, not that sometimes are counted, but only are counted, so cars you never sell by volume or weight. Okay? You only sell by units. But a lot of other things, like eggs, you could sell a basket of eggs. You could conglomerate eggs. Okay? It's not only counted. So if your idea is things that are only counted, so Michael and Emma, you don't have a good explanation. Because the eggs should be Batel. Because sometimes it's counted, but often it's not. And therefore, it should be Batel. Now, where is this debate, whether only counted or sometimes counted? Not. Because we taught in the Mishnah the following. Somebody had bundles of, I don't know, what's Tilson? Fenugreek? Clover. Clover. Sorry about that. Somebody, what? Fenugreek. Ah, there we go. Anyway, who knows? <laughs> Somebody has a bundle. I like the word fenugreek. It's a funnier word. Anyway, whoever had bundles of fenugreek, um, so, Shelkalaya um, Karim, and they were stuff that was grown together with grapes. So they're kilayim. Yidlaku. You have to burn them. That's what you do with stuff that's kilayim together with grapes. Nisarvu wrote, if that got mixed up with other bundles of fenugreek, Bachirot, and something from the first mixture fell into a second mixture, Kulan Yidluku. It all has to get burnt. Dire Rebi Meir. So meaning Bittl doesn't apply here. Everything is up there. The Chachamimo means the Chachamimo say, no, Yahu Ba'achazumatayim. 
200 is enough to cause bittel. Bittel does work. Buy things that are very sort of weighty, like uh, kilayim and tebel and truma. Sometimes you need 100 or 200. A simple, a simple 60 is not enough. Okay, so the Chami say, no, this is a normal halach of kilayim. 200 is enough to create bittel. Okay, that's the normal halach of kilayim. But they say bittel is possible. But Rebbe Meir says, no, no bittel. Why is Rebbe Meir saying no bittel? Let's take a look. Shahaya Rebbe Meir Omer, because Rebbe Meir used to say, Ace Shadarko Limnos, something that is owned, that is counted, that's always counted, apparently bundles of Fenugreek were always counted by number, never by weight or volume. So Mikadesh sanctifies what it's mixed up into, sanctifies not in a good way, forbids everything it's mixed up in me to, no bitto on something which is Ace Shadarko Limnos, which is fundamentally a unit that is counted. There only six things, again a funny word, that sanctify six things that make their mixture forbidden, six things that are not batel because they're so important. Rabbi Kiva says seven. And these are they. It goes a prach, nuts that come from a place called prach, the kilche kruv, and, I'm sorry, skip the line, rimoni bedan, and pomegranates that come from a place called bedan, the chaviot stumot, sealed barrels of wine, presumably, the chalife tardin, and bundles of beets, I believe, is that spinach? Spinach, I'm sorry, spinach. The kilche kruv, and bundles of cabbage, the dulat ivanit, and a Greek gourd. Rabbi Akiva, Mosif, Afikar, Shabalabais, and Rabbi Akiva adds uh, um, home-baked bread. So these things are, you can't make a general rule, things that are counted are never batel. Can't abstract it. There are particular things that are very important that are, we always focus on as independent units. And those things aren't batel. Now, of course, really, like this for life, for all eternity, it'll be these six or seven things. So Ramos says, okay, you know, the idea is every location, every time period, you have to identify what are those things that are important that aren't batel. But it's not an abstract general rule of things that are counted. You have to make your list and identify and, you know, context and, you know, and sort of all, all matters in terms of, you know, how they're perceived by society. Fine. But we, let's focus on Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir makes a general rule, things that are counted. So the question is, what is the phrase, what is the rule? And here's the debate. Okay, so, uh, I'm sorry, let's just read one more line. Some of these things could be a problem of orla because they grow from trees. Other of these things could be a problem of kilayim. They don't grow from trees, they, but they could be planted together with, with vines, with grapes. Anyway, the Itmar Allah was said regarding this Mishnah, Rebbe Meir is forbidding only things that are eight Shadarko, like if they're only counted. No, Rebbe Meir is forbidding things that are, that are anytime count, that are sometimes counted. Everything that might be counted. Not only things that, things that are only counted, but anything that might be counted. Meaning, so Rebbe Shlaki is saying, according to Rebbe Meir, even if this thing is sometimes sold by weight, by volume, by the bushel, by the, by the uh, basket, since sometimes it's counted, that's enough to give it importance and it's not bucked out. So back to this question. Why is this egg, which is only a rabbinic problem, that's mixed up with a thousand, not, not, I'm, I'm sorry, why is this egg that's mixed up with a thousand not bakel? If it's a rabbinic problem of yantav, we understand. That's the principle of just wait till tomorrow. But you're trying to say that this egg at the end is talking about a possible trefa to explain why a doubt should be a problem, then why should it be a problem when it's mixed up with a thousand eggs? Just let normal bittel work. It's a normal a forbidden object. Let bittel work. And the answer is, well, according to Reish Lakish, 
anything that's sometimes counted isn't Batel. That's his understanding of Rebbe Meir. Eight kosher That would explain the end. I said, it's very nice. But Rebbe Yochanan's version of Rebbe Meir is extra-darkolingos, things that are only counted, and the egg is not only counted, so we're back to our question of why there wouldn't be bittel. Okay, so the Gemara says, So according to Rebbe I get why there's no bittel if it's a trefa, because the egg is sometimes counted. According to Rebbe Yochanan, why isn't there bittel? The egg might sometimes be counted, but it's not only counted. Bittel should apply. So we're going to continue with this tomorrow, why there is no bittel if you've turned the case of the egg into a case of a trefa issue. But again, if the egg is just a yuntif problem, it's a simple explanation that there's no bittel because just wait till tomorrow and you can eat it tomorrow. Okay.